From our studios in North Florida, it's in black and white. And now your host, the baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks. And I don't think the people of this country are going to stand for it. If I weren't leading in all the polls, or if I weren't running, I wouldn't have any of these cases, I wouldn't be seeing you this morning. But I'll be seeing a lot of you, because this is a horrible thing that's happening to our country and we've got to get it straightened away. So we'll go in and see our rogue judge and we'll listen to this man. And uh, I think most people get it. People are getting it. I can tell you the voters getting it because every time they give me a fake indictment, I go up in the polls and that's never happened before. But this is a disgrace. And you're gonna go after this attorney general because she's turning off everybody from coming in. You know, I don't know if you should take a look at the outflow of business. Businesses are fleeing New York because of horrible, horrible attorney generals and judges like we have. They go to other places where they can be treated fairly and with respect. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled week of adventures in podcasting here on In Black and Right. The new definition of color commentary. Now, wanted to start out, that was uh, Donald Trump this morning in New York City at his uh, civil fraud trial with Letitia James, New York Attorney General, in attendance and thinking that somehow uh, she wanted to be there, I guess, as an eyewitness to see her great master plan go into effect and well, yeah, okay, that, that's just too weird for me, even for my taste, but anyway, um, hope everybody had a good weekend, uh, it's, uh, it was kind of a little rough for uh, yours truly, because uh, apparently, for some strange reason, I've uh, been having a lot of pain and a lot of fatigue, it hasn't been easy to try to get some sleep. Now, of course, a lot of Americans have been losing sleep uh, for the pain of inflation uh, and just stress, depression and worry, anxiety over just being able to just keep the basics. A roof over your head, food on the table, clothes on your kid's back, gas for your vehicle so you can go to work yeah it happens uh but uh yeah i i enjoyed the weekend it was fun i mean of course mostly what i do is i catch college football on saturday and some nfl on sunday and yeah and of course and sometimes if it's a really good game uh monday night football as well so uh, I, I do a lot of that. It, it kept me company, but it just wasn't a whole lot of fun. But, and I will definitely get back to uh, President Trump's uh, civil trial in New York. But, of course, the big news over the weekend. Yay, we averted a government shutdown. Three cheers and a tiger for us. But, frankly... 
It's pathetic. It's frankly pathetic, but not a surprise. That's the thing. It's not a surprise. If you've been even keeping somewhat of a close tab on this whole budget battle and situation, the conservatives, the real Americans who are responsible, uh, we got hosed. We got completely hosed. The GOP got nothing out of this deal, which only adds to more of my case of why the GOP is brain dead. And now we've got a 40, we now have 45 days, a clean CR, quote unquote. Now, where are we going to be November 17th? when all of this comes back around again to haunt us. Is the GOP going to be all that strong and we're going to be tough? It's like, no. No, no, no. We are going to be back, or actually not even be back, but we are still going to be continuing on the primrose path that got us to $33 trillion in debt. We... Have, I know the last time, gosh, I can't even remember the last time we actually had regular order. 12 separate appropriations bills with cuts, with whatever, and then you pass a budget. We have been living in the world of this continuing resolution for nearly 30 years. And omnibus bills you know, pay, funding the budget all at the same time. It's like, no, 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 no. We now have, we now have again, okay. We, we're now on another countdown clock, 45 days. November 17th is the end of this round of funding. Now, the problem with this is, what do we do now? What do we do in the interim? Now, yes, you've got the GOP acting like a bunch of bush leaguers. You know, you've got McCarthy, and you know, he's all confident, like, oh, I'll survive any type of emotion by Matt Gates, And I'm just going, okay. I believe if there, when there is a motion to vacate and it's filed, I believe somehow, some way that McCarthy, and I hate to say this, will survive it. However, there is a caveat with that. Yes, he may very well survive, but keep in mind, folks, he will be nothing short of damaged goods. And what do I mean by that? Well, you've already had McCarthy break his word at least twice. At least twice. He made the deal. He didn't keep his end of it. And now all of a sudden, Matt Gates is the unpopular guy. You know, he's the problem. He's the problem. And all the rest of his friends are a problem. No, the problem is McCarthy 
you shouldn't, if you weren't going to keep your word, you never should have gave it in the first damn place. And so now you can go on all these Sunday shows and make Matt Gates look like he's the one who's the bad guy, but the problem is, Mr. Speaker, Matt Gates wasn't the one who made the crazy the crazy debt ceiling deal for two years instead of one year. And now, as many of the economic types that I follow, people like Dave Bratt of Liberty University, you got Peter Navarro. Yeah, these are a lot of war room guys with Bannon, but they had it right. That's the problem. Instead of a one or maybe one and a half trillion, we're now over two trillion dollars. Two trillion. Uh, in deficits, and it's going to be that way in perpetuity if it, if the fundamental problem isn't addressed. And McCarthy doesn't give a damn. Sorry, not going to be particularly nice about this, but he doesn't. Um, now, apparently, you know, McCarthy's thinking, you know, bring it on, you know, okay. Yeah, but, yeah, this is crazy. You know, McCarthy has screwed over not just Gates, but other conservatives who are the real adults in the room, Mr. Speaker. They're the ones who wanted to do what the American people wanted. But, nope. All the deals you've made and with all of your friends... I mean, it's, it's, the GOP in the House is just split up into these really interesting but disparate groups. Now, of course, you've got McCarthy and uh, the establishment. you got the rhinos. You know, you got them. You have others like uh, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas and... Byron Donalds of Florida who wanted to come up with this 8% cut across the board for spending you know and trying to secure the border I mean we, we're loaded to the gills folks with all kinds of problems not just the border and our the invasion the invasion of our own dang country Hello, spare me. Uh, you know, well, and then of course, yes, there's going to be, there's going to be some kind of a side deal, sort of a backroom deal as far as Ukrainian funding. I'm going, yeah, mm -hmm, this is going to be fun, especially when there's a growing number of Republicans in the House that didn't want to give any more money than we've already given to Ukraine. Hello. But nope, I guess $113 billion just isn't enough to try to prop up the Ukrainians and their proxy war with Russia and also trying to build, you know, rebuild the country. 
I'm like, we, we don't have time for this. We don't have money for this. But, but it's okay. Now, interestingly, when you're talking about these disparate coalitions within the House Republicans, now, one person who has absolutely blown my mind on this is former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, who I, I have a lot of respect for his intellect as a historian, but frankly, his thoughts about Gates you know, and McCarthy have really made me go, what the hell? I mean, just a tweet or on X. This was October 1, just yesterday. Newt Gingrich wrote, and I quote, the effort to expel Matt Gates for being a destructive, irresponsible, and anti-Republican may be a step too far. Expulsion from the House requires a two-thirds vote. However, expelling him from the House Republican Caucus and eliminating all com committee assignments, and it stopped right there, but I love the response from Raheem Kassam, the editor of the the editor in chief of the National Pulse. I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, it was so cool. It's like, bro, you wrote the contract with America in part to try and limit government spending beyond its means. Now you're attacking Matt Gates for trying to deliver where you and your colleagues failed. Shame. Unfollowed. And I'm like, wow. That is so true. I first voted Republican first time ever in 1994, primarily because of the contract with America. And now for a guy like Newt Gingrich to just do something this dastardly and despicable, going after a guy who wanted to try to follow the principles of the very contract that Newt Gingrich wrote? Please. Now, this story from the National Polls, it was just kind of cool. I mean, some of the people who said who responded to Gingrich's uh, tweet? One said, uh, one of the uh, a next user, quote, "Mr. Gingrich, the America First Patriots see this a lot differently. We are tired of seeing our hard-earned money going to countries that don't deserve one red penny, while we have homeless vets and people living in living on our streets." I can't argue with that. You know, I really can't uh, argue with that. So, I mean, that just says, I mean, as I've never known Newt Gingrich in all the years I've, I've followed his stuff to be this, well, frankly, mean and despicable. So, Newt Gingrich didn't help himself any. That's for, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. Ugh. This is why I, I just cannot, cannot ever see myself going back to being a Republican 
I'm a happy independent. I'm a conservative independent. I'm an America first independent. But when I keep seeing this type of stupidity, I'm like, ay, 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 ay. Now, here's more GOP stupidity. Now, Ron DeSantis, my governor, and those influencers who are part of his circle, this is from <laughs> this is from the uh, National Pulse again. DeSantis influencers say they'll write in pro-abortion, anti-gun RFK if Trump wins the primary. Well, then you better get break out your number two pencils or your pens because Trump will win the primary. But the fact that DeSantis and, and another DeSantis influencer, I mean, just to show you how wackadoodle some of this, some, some of the uh, GOP is, Dave Rubin, big name influencer, for sure, uh, apparently went after Carrie Lake, who is expected next week to announce her candidacy for these. Arizona Senate seat of Kirsten Cinema, and I hope she does. Do, I hope she does do well. But this just makes no sense. I mean, I mean, Dave Rubin, who is apparently a DeSantis fanboy, has essentially gone after Carrie Lake, calling her an election denier. I'm like, okay, this has now officially gotten way the hell out of hand. Okay, this is because and Dave Rubin, I mean, there are times that I've liked you, but dude, you went way over the line going after somebody who's uh, been an actual victim of election fraud and calling her an election denier. It's like, dude, you went way over. So I guess no Dave Rubin for me. You know, because this is stupid. Why are we doing this to ourselves? You know, I mean, I guess now that I'm not, I am a conservative, but I may not be Republican, but, but damn, (laughs) you know, I, I look at all this, you know, and I just go, really? Honestly and truly? What, what the heck? I'm I'm just blown away, and it only serves to cement in my mind, in my thinking, the only Republican I'm ever going to trust enough to say, okay, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna vote for them, is essentially Donald Trump. Now, I would be voting again in. You know, if I was living in my Matt Gates district over in the Florida Panhandle, I've got some friends over there. I'd like to move over there and, hey, you know, I'll vote for him. You know, Matt Gates is pretty much number two until, you know, until I, you know, something changes my mind. But Trump is my number one pick. And that's the only Republican I'm ever going to trust enough to say, okay, as far as the rest, pfft, screw it. You people have not earned my respect or enough of my trust to vote for any of you. 
Oh, we have to. But the only, the sad part about it is to stop the Democrat or Democrat party takeover and the ruination of our republic has to be the Democrat, has to be the Republican Party because there's nothing else there. But when they do stupid stuff, I mean, epically stupid stuff, I just have to go, you know, maybe I'm just going to have to stay independent because how am I supposed to support a political party that says and is supposed to be a counter to the out-of-control, wackadoodle left in this country, but they act just like them in far too many cases. So this is really stupid. So, ugh. But speaking of President Trump, I, I, had to play, I wanted to play this piece uh, from Newsmax. I, I don't know the gentleman who's speaking, but he's talking about what's going on in the courtroom with uh, President Trump's uh, civil trial, uh, civil fraud, but man, oh man. But some of the things I'm seeing here, and I wish I could do this on, I, I wish I could do this uh, for the video, but just listening to the gentleman who's making comment here is just, I think it's kind of enough but I wanted to play this also uh, about President's tr uh, President Trump's trial, civil trial for fraud in New York City. And so President Trump, recognizing that this is yeah, this is really what they're doing, is they're coming after him to try to keep him from getting elected president again. That's what this is all about. Um, I, I think he purposely and and very appropriately made his voice heard. And as we look at this this image of the judge, I've never seen anything more inappropriate in my life of, of this judge uh, being, you know, uh, smiling like the cat that got the canary here um, because he his political wish has come true uh, so far for this case. But this is a legally baseless order that he has already entered. We know what he's going to do after the fact. It's going to be more. Uh, legally basis uh, arguments and, and uh, uh, decisions from this judge that I am confident that at the end of the day will be reversed by uh, the courts of appeal. And Yep. I mean, I'm looking at the video of this. I mean, the judge is smiling. You know, like, hey, I'm good. You know, this is awesome. I'm going, that is not the type of behavior you engage in in a courtroom but somehow since this judge in this messed up case seems to fancy himself quite the expert and and I say uh, <laughs> I mean this dude thinks that he is all that smart you know, to value Mar-a-Lago at $18 million? Oh my gosh. That takes a whole new level of brass ones and stupidity and hubris at the same time. That's a weird combo. 
Now, keep in mind, this the judge has no experience in banking, in real estate, real estate appraisals, accounting, or anything related to this. Now, I think it's a, if it wasn't so darn serious, I could actually laugh at this. Now, keep in mind, I, I've been to South Florida. In fact, I've been by Mar-a-Lago. I haven't been in it. I'd love to go at some point, but I, I've passed by it. Now, from what I know and what I've learned about it, Mar-a-Lago is 62,000 square feet. 62,000 square feet of probably one of the most gorgeous, elegant homes I've ever seen. Now, if you, if this judge wasn't such a leftist wackadoodle idiot, maybe he should take a little time to talk to real estate people down in South Florida. Now, keep this in mind. Rush Limbaugh's home down in Palm Beach, not nearly as big as Mar-a-Lago, but it's a gorgeous house with beachfront. That sold a few months ago for $155 million. Okay, $155 million in that Palm, Palm Beach area. I mean, there are houses, I mean, gosh, the I guess the quote-unquote cheap houses uh, in Palm Beach probably go for about maybe $30, $40 million, and that's the cheap end. Now, Mar-a-Lago, at 62,000 square feet, $18 million? No, not even close. More like, I'm willing to bet if at some point, and I don't think so will happen, if Mar-a-Lago ever went up for sale, that place would get upwards, if not past, the $1 billion mark. I'm sure somebody would pay that kind of money if they had it. Because it ain't cheap, baby. It's gorgeous. It's good. It's just this gorgeous house, you know, the club and, and all of that. But this idiot in a courtroom in New York thinks he knows better about real estate than a Trump. I mean, and that includes Donald's sons, Don Jr. and Eric. They've been in the business. They know what's going on. And frankly... Every strategy to try to keep Trump off of the ballot, and I'll get into that. There, this is a huge win for Trump. Huge win, but yeah. So nah, this, this is just messed up. But this, whatever the judge decides, it's going to be overruled and overturned in a, on appeal. And it needs to be because, frankly, this judge is a freaking moron. Letitia, uh, Letitia James, she's just, you know, a spawn of Satan. She's an evil woman. But, but, but anyway, as I mentioned before, and this was a huge, huge, uh, 
huge story. Today, this first Monday in October, the Supreme Court is fully back in session. And they made a huge, huge decision in favor of Trump. And from today's post-millennial, the headline, Supreme Court rejects case that Trump should be disqualified from the ballot under the 14th Amendment. I'm like, oh, baby. So now for those dingbats who are trying to get him off, Trump off the ballot, you trying to use the 14th Amendment, uh, kaboom, sorry. The, the U.S. Supreme Court is not going to hear the case. This is, a, this is frankly a huge win for President Trump because now all these yahoos who were all set to go through these uh, <laughs> all, all these trials and say, oh no, we're going we're gonna to stop you, we're going to stop you. <clears throat> well, you're not going to use the 14th Amendment, that's for sure, because the Supreme Court agreed that the 14th Amendment came about after the Civil War, and it was to deal with Confederates. Not just anybody, but specifically Confederate members from the South trying to get into federal office or even state office. So, yeah. So, eh, sorry. Uh, that, was, that was a really nice, that was a nice one. <laughs> it really was. That, that made, that just kind of made me happy. You know, so one more way. Uh, that has been foiled to go after President Trump. Now, I know there are going to be people thinking that I've completely lost my mind. I said, uh uh-uh. Nope, nope, nope. I believe President Trump is, well, he's being watched out for. There There are so many people. I mean, I think God is really watching out for him. Protecting him because he's got a job to do. Now, I'm not, this is not going to be your Sunday sermon, but I believe with every indictment, his poll numbers went up, not down. He has a monster lead, I mean, substantial monster lead in the primaries. You know, I don't even know why they're going to try to do a third debate. But, you know, they're gonna. And and it just makes me crazy. I mean, come on, people. Really? Ugh. Really? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Didn't mean that. But, and I'll get to it. Because this fascinates me. It totally fascinates me. Um, so, nope, no 14th Amendment, no North 14th Amendment cases. Trump is going to be on the ballot in all 50 states and Puerto Rico and other uh, <laughs> U.S. territories. But I'm, I'm seeing, I got to play some of this. Now, 
And this is a brave lady for doing this. This is a lady named Heather McDonald. I do believe she's with the Manhattan Institute, the think tank. And she is a white woman who wrote a book about, and the title is When, Merit, when, when Race Trumps Merit. And apparently, let's see, I don't know what day this was, but it was a very recent interview she had with Charlie Kirk on uh, his show on Real America's Voice. And she was talking about, you know, we had the situation last week in Philadelphia where just a whole bunch of crazy white, crazy black kids uh, acted like thugs, animals, and fools. And apparently... Some of them did get arrested, including some black girl social media influencer called Meatball. But the problem is, though, she was being a meat head. I said, girl, you need to sit yourself down and shut up. This is nuts. But I wanted to play a little bit of this because uh, Ms. McDonald is actually hitting on the dirty little secrets of black America that nobody's supposed to know. I mean, I've been telling this stuff for years, but maybe, you know, let's see how crazy these black liberals get when a white woman says this, because I love it. So hang on here. Let's go for this. It's so much more crime than the percentage that they compose in the country. Well, one of the primary reasons is the pathologies of the inner city, and the primary among those pathologies is the breakdown of the black family. You have 71% of black children now being born out of wedlock. When Daniel Patrick Moynihan issued his present warning in 1965, saying that civil rights progress will come to a halt unless the breakdown of the black family ends, because black boys are not being socialized by their fathers. They're being raised by single mothers who were not able to do it. Moynihan thought we were at the end of any further civil rights progress and being able to ex expect further racial equality when the black out of wedlock birth out of wedlock birth rate was 23%. Moynihan said this is a catastrophe. It is now 71%. But but beyond just the family breakdown, you have a a whole stigma against acting white which is defined by making effort in school by showing up to your class by going to school by taking your textbooks home to study all of that is demeaned as acting white and you have the glorification of gangster culture uh, so it's very bad I mean we the, the country is being held hostage Charlie to black dysfunction let's face it I mean nobody wants to say it but we That's all see exactly right. yes. looting the, the shoplifting the fact that stores are closing down it's all because of black crime and the stores, whether it's Walmart or CVS or Target, they would rather simply shut down and deprive their law-abiding customers of their prescription availability of being able to shop for necessary first aid materials than to arrest shoplifters and being accused by the ACLU of racism because the mass majority of shoplifters and looters that they will arrest in a colorblind fashion are black. And so we've all decided we're going to turn our eyes away from black crime, put up with it, 
uh, than actually enforce the law and have a disparate impact on black criminals. That has to end, Charlie. What? Oh, 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 my Lord. She, thank you, Heather McDonald. Because I've been telling people this for the longest time, but the white guilt that I have run into, I mean, they just look at me like I am from another planet. <laughs> I've had this happen more than once in a 20-year period, but this is, she, this very brave woman, frankly, uh, told the truth. And she said it out loud. This is why black America is the mess it is because we've because white guilt has allowed black folks to act like animals, thugs, and fools, all because they don't want to get called racist when they arrest these dingdats. I say screw it. If you're gonna play stupid games, you win stupid prizes as the saying goes. And I'm going, thank you, Heather McDonald. I mean, this poor lady is probably going to get all kinds of grief for what she said, but every bit of it was true. The statistics on black-on-black -black crime by the FBI is another reason. This is why, you know, they. this is why black America is shooting its own, shooting itself in the foot you can't have economic development in the inner city if you're going to keep looting and pillaging and destroying businesses you can't it's like you can't you can't give black communities something nice because they will ruin it at some point they will ruin it this is why Major retailers like Walmart, Target, others, uh, CVS Pharmacy and whatever, pick. If you're, if you're a business in an inner city black neighborhood, you might as well pack it up. Because at some point, all the stupid black kids all, and other black folks who live in the area are going to make it impossible for you to do business because black crime is something that is part of black privilege. That's right, black privilege. You can go and act as wild as you want even though a lot of these kids in Philly, I'm willing to bet daddy ain't around. And if they're and if daddy is around, where it's like Good grief, what have you been doing, sons? Drinking like a 40-ouncer? Oh yeah, I will go there. They are thugs and animals. This is not how I was raised. Now, I was raised by a widowed single mom. And there was no way in hell that my mother would have let me do any of that kind of crap without beating me to a pulp. And one other aspect that uh, Ms. McDonald put out there, the whole thing about acting white. I mean, 
my gosh, John McWhorter, Dr. John McWhorter wrote a book years ago called Losing the Race. And in it, he addressed the anti-intellectualism that exists in black, in, in inner city black neighborhoods and in schools. And I had, and I was a victim of this. I got bullied because I went to, I went to school, I studied, I did homework, I got pretty decent grades. I mean, I wasn't a straight A student, but I wasn't a total flunky either. You know, I I was I was pretty much a B student. You know, I had a three point, and it absolutely bothered me to no end uh, that I got the grief I did as a kid going to school because oh. I wanted to be articulate. I wanted to be smart. I wanted to learn things. That's how I learned four languages because I actually spent the time to study. And folks in my neighborhood thought I was acting white. I know that pain. But my mother, the biggest influence in my life, who at least as far as my education went, she said, no, don't worry about it. You do, you keep going. And I love that woman because she wouldn't let, she set me up to succeed, not to fail. That's why I, she would, I was forbidden, forbidden to go to my neighborhood high school. My mother made it quite clear. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, mom. <laughs> You know, and this was not something <laughs> that was a negotiable. Sorry, that did not help. But just listening to that portion of that interview, just like, oh my gosh, she she nailed all of it. Thank you, Heather McDonald's. I'd lo I'd love to get you on the show and uh, and help you promote your book because this is absolutely something that black America needs to hear because if it doesn't snap out of it out of this crazy world of you can do whatever the heck you want because you somehow are feel entitled that you've been displaced that you just want to take it to the white man and on all these people I said this is stupid it's stupid I didn't grow up that way and my mother definitely wouldn't let me grow up that way I mean we certainly weren't rich but we weren't dirt poor either I mean I grew up in a nice home you know I had food on the table and everything clothes to wear to school I wasn't this I mean now granted the the era I grew up in was a lot different I was a child of the 70s I was in, you know, I graduated high school in the early 80s. Whole different culture. There was no Black Lives Matter. There was no Antifa. There was nothing like that to, I mean, sure, we had the, the neighborhood I lived in. Oh, yeah, it wasn't perfect. We had crack houses. We had drive-by shootings. You know, we had the Crips and the Bloods and all of this. It, but it, was, it wasn't paradise for me. And now it's even worse. 
because you're dealing with out of wedlock, the destruction of the black family, out of wedlock births. I mean, just go down the list as Heather McDonald did. Now, this is why I am absolutely, uh, I don't know, maybe brimming with pride isn't the proper term, but I am very happy for my nephews. They are all dads, they have, and they are involved dads. There's, they aren't absentee, and I'm grateful for that because for the sake of their kids, they're going to know mom and dad. And that gives me hope that my great nieces and nephews are going to grow up as contributors in society rather than takers and consumers. So, but yeah, that that just continues to bug me to no stinking end. Uh, given that, but I, I'm going to try to see if I can get this lady on on the show because this says something and it says something very powerful and why black America really needs to get over itself and grow the heck up and actually do something for themselves instead of doing something to someone because they have something that they want and they're not willing to work for it but anyway my friends i'm going to just simply call this a day today thank you so much for listening as always i encourage you to subscribe to our podcast uh, you can just simply go to any podcast platform uh, type in in black and right and you can find us uh, Click follow, subscribe, the notify. Uh, when we put new episodes on, uh, upload them, you'll be able to get them on whichever podcast platform uh, you subscribe on. Also, you can send us email at inblackandright at gmail.com or check out our website, inblackandright.net. So, my friends, on this Monday... Have yourself a great rest of the day. Take care of yourselves. God bless you. And thank you for your continued support to help us continue to make us one of the top 20 black conservative podcasts on the internet to follow. I appreciate it so much. So I will see y'all tomorrow. And, and remember, as always, patriots come in all colors. <laughs>